This evening's Bible reading is found on Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 31. It's the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. And then we go on to verse 44. The parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then we go on to the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's lovely to see everybody. Uh, I've taken away the, the big pulpit thing because you wouldn't see me otherwise. I'm quite short, so uh, I tend to speak uh, when I'm at Alton with a music stand just so that you can all see me. So um, it's really lovely to be here. Um, we had Evan Winter come and speak at Alton Baptist a few weeks ago, which is lovely. So it's really good that we can come and return the favour. So just to be introduced a bit about myself. Uh, I work part-time at Alton Baptist Church, so I work there for about 20 hours part-time. I do a range of things. I've got a general term of being a church worker, which means many hats. And um, particularly at the moment, as our minister left us in the summer and uh, moved on to a new job with the Baptist Union. Uh, so we're out without a minister at the moment. So things are a little busier than normal, but, um, but also quite exciting as well. So I work part-time at Alton Baptist Church for two and a half years, I've done that. And I also work part-time at Solio Council. I do safeguarding training at Solio Council. Um, so that's the other half of my job. Um, I've been at Alton Baptist Church for about 14 years now. And I've been on the leadership team there for about 10. They can't get rid of me. They've tried, but they can't. And um, yeah, so it's really lovely, as I say, to come and um, uh, sort of be here. And it's really nice that we've got some connections with Shirley Baptist and to build on those. So can you remember your early memories of church? What were your earliest memories of church? Mine was actually being in a building very similar to this in a Baptist church in Cardiff called Tredegaville Baptist Church. Uh, we lived there when we were younger, from when I was about four to ten. And it was this lovely big brick sort of um, wooden building. And I can remember it had lots of nooks and crannies of the kids. It was fantastic running in and out of church. In those days, we ran around the gardens and nobody worried about us. Those are the days when nobody worried about kids and safety. And so I can remember running in our gardens and around the church. Um, I can remember um, we had great 
church lunches, being in Wales, and we had this sort of Welsh soup called cowl, I think it was, this Welsh soup. And I remember um, my dad, who was involved in the church, um, used to, um, uh, he, once he catered for a wedding, we had a huge hall underneath the church, and we catered for a wedding as in, in, a, in the church as well. And I remember being, me and my sister, um, being um, really sort of spoiled by the 20-year-olds in church who didn't have kids. And I can remember when my mum and dad did a lot of 20s to 30s type work. And uh, I can remember being very spoiled and, you know, looked after by these older young people in church, which I now feel very old in comparison. Um, so I've got some fantastic memories of that, of Sunday school prizes, um, of being in that church, of, and I think that probably was quite fundamental in terms of my faith and growing up there. Um, and, you know, I wonder what your earliest memory is of church. I wonder what your earliest memory is, whether you've gone all your life from being a child um, or whether you came to church later on in life. So because um, I am a bit of a trainer in my other life, um, whenever I speak, I tend to have a little bit of interaction in my little uh, sort of... <laughs> so I'll give you a little bit of warning there. Uh, nothing scary. I promise you don't have to say anything up front or um, report back anything, but I just like to get people chatting to each other a little bit. So what I'd like you to do is just chat to the person next to you. If there isn't anybody next to you, do find somebody. Um, and just talk about what's your earliest memory of church? Where were you? What was that like? Um, and just sort of, just for two, three minutes, just share that with the person next to you. So I hope there were some good memories shared there. I hope there wasn't too many scary or uh, <laughs> not good memories, but I hope there were some good memories shared, just to get you sort of started to think about it. Um, and I suppose why I'm asking that, I was thinking when I looked at um, the subject of these parables about the kingdom of heaven, I was thinking about, you know, is the kingdom of heaven church? And church in the wider sense of, of, of church. Is it the same thing or is it different? It should be the same thing, shouldn't it? And in reading around about the kingdom of heaven... Um, and it's one of the subjects that Jesus talked about most in the New Testament was the kingdom of heaven. Um, it's a picture, I think, of God's reign through God's people in God's place. So God's reign through God's people in God's place. But I think within that, there is this element of the now and the not yet. And in Luke 17, Jesus, when he was grilled by the Pharisees on the kingdom of heaven, answered, the kingdom of heaven doesn't come by counting on the days of the calendar, nor when someone says, look here, or there it is. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. And through Jesus, God had inaugurated the kingdom on earth. But we know that Jesus will consummate that in one day in the future. In practical terms, that means that we sometimes see things that don't always add up. And we know that sometimes you might pray for the sick, and sometimes they are healed, and sometimes they may not be. And yet with faith, we pray. We pray for healing, and we trust the results to God. The kingdom of heaven relates to the sovereignty of God. It's a present reality and a future hope. So there is something significant about recognizing Jesus as the Son of God and the work of reconciliation in this world. As well as thinking about your earliest memories of church, 
What are your earliest memories of encountering Jesus? I think as I was growing up, I saw the love of Jesus through my mum and dad, through a local, local youth group in Ulster that I used to go to, and we became Jesus to others through beach missions, through street um, missions, through holiday clubs, through other things that um, were around social action and mission. And one of the most recent things that I've done, I think, where I've presented Jesus to people is through being part of City Pastors in Birmingham, which is a group of people from about 20 different churches that go out around Broad Street and around the Arcadian Centre, the Hippodrome and the Gay District. And Christians from a range of churches go out in twos to help people get home, to give support, to get help getting taxis or maybe an ambulance if they're not very well, and generally be willing to talk and listen. And this group of people may never come into contact with Jesus in other, any other way. And when I did that, it was amazing how many people would say, I can't believe you're doing this. You know, I can't believe that Christians would be willing to come and do this on a Friday and Saturday night. Um, and so people were constantly amazed at people doing that. So I wanted to focus on a couple of parables that I'm sure would be well known to you about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And I wanted just to sort of share some thoughts with you and also some of the things that we've recently been thinking about at Alton Baptist. And in these parables, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like or may be compared to. And we need to listen carefully and think about what he is saying. A parable is a comparison of two subjects for the purpose of teaching everyday, an everyday story with a spiritual meaning. And it generally results in one salient point. One sort of three things really that struck me about parables, Jesus usually told stories of the everyday normal. It was out of the synagogue. It was usually using a lot of countryside analogies that would obviously translate to us even here and now. And we know that Jesus revealed truth to those who are hungry. We are told in other parables that not everybody might be able to work out what he is saying. He's speaking to those who have ears to hear. And I think often the parables are a spur to a decision. The stories made people think, they stuck in people's heads. And we know that the Holy Spirit helped people to understand what Jesus was saying. So let's start with the parable of the pearl. I'm going to look at the pearl and the mustard seed in particular. So a merchant was searching for the perfect pearl. He'd always bought and sold pearls, and he knew that when he came across this pearl, it was perfect. It was the one perfect pearl that he'd been looking for, and he bought it. And it makes me think about all the things that people sometimes look for in life, and perhaps things that they think are of worth. So something that gives them significance or success. So whether that's work or life, uh, sorry, work or money or family, but we know that ultimately all of those things will disappear. And when I was thinking about the meaning of this, um, and I was reading around the subject, some of the sort of commentaries were saying um, the person surrendered all to give um, all the money to gain that pearl. And I think those of us who have gained Christ would say that Jesus brings the ultimate freedom and hope for the future. Jesus is the only lasting reality. The benefits outweigh the necessary surrendering of perhaps possessions, friends, or even life itself. But I think there's a point in the parable about um, experiencing that joy of finding that, you know, the pearl that was uh, equated to the kingdom of heaven 
in order, you know, that uh, that pearl represented something that was far greater. Pearls were actually highly valued in the ancient world, and this was a fine beyond price. In the face of possibility of owning such a pearl, prudent calculations give way to extravagant action. The parable reveals the kingdom as something precious and valuable. And it reminds me of the story of the lady who wiped Jesus' feet with a very expensive perfume. An extravagant action that showed worship of the man who she recognized as her savior. We've been reflecting on the parable of the pearl a little bit in our um, leadership team over the last year and what the pearl meant. And a pearl is actually formed by lots of grit being shaped and smoothed over a period of time. It's usually a foreign body that's got into the oyster, such as a grain of sand or a parasite. And uh, instead of it being ejected from the oyster shell, it's covered with layer upon layer of a substance secreted from the oyster until through that kind of pain and suffering, it forms that shape of great beauty and great value. And I wonder, does that remind you of us? We're the irritant, perhaps, in that situation with our sinful nature. But because God loves us, he has covered us with Christ. And gradually, we become a thing of beauty, clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. So in summary, the kingdom of heaven is precious like a pearl, the thing of most value, and all the other things will pale into comparison. So what about the mustard seed? So Jesus describes the heaven, uh, kingdom of heaven in terms of a mustard seed. Very small, but not necessarily the, the smallest seed in the world, but a very, very small seed. And we can see Jesus using that analogy about the mustard seed again in Matthew, Matthew 17, where he refers to faith as small as a mustard seed, when he's describing someone with just a tiny amount of faith. The point of the parable looks at the contrast between the insignificant beginnings of that seed and the largest of garden plants growing to some nine foot, uh, nine foot, nine feet, you know, in, in uh, tall. And so, you know, out of what we know can be quite small beginnings comes uh, huge kingdoms. Um, and a tiny amount of a mustard seed, it's often used as a flavoring for curry, can obviously infuse that whole curry. And we know that within that mustard seed, a mustard seed tree is fully contained in that seed. And just as that mustard seed tree is fully contained, the kingdom of heaven is already fully contained within the work and the ministry of Jesus. So with this small seed becoming this large plant, Jesus illustrates the growth of the gospel around the world. And the kingdom of God grows from the planting of the gospel in hearts of men and women. And the word of Christ from small beginnings can cause enormous growth and have influence attracting people to Christ from far afield. Judaism itself had been quite insignificant. It sprang from one man, but grew into multitude as numerous as the stars of the Milky Way. Jesus started with some very rough and ready men who followed him for three years. And from that, we see Christianity spread across the world. So in summary, the parable of the mustard seed, God can bring transformation from something very small. Things can grow from a tiny person or a tiny group. Things that might seem unbelievable 
but yet um, can spring freedom and salvation. So I then started to think about what does the kingdom of heaven look like in the here and now? So I've been reading a book at the moment, um, which uh, has really sort of influenced my thinking at the moment. It's called Underground Church, um, and it's by a guy called Brian Sanders, about some uh, people in uh, Tampa, in Florida, and what they're doing at the moment. So just wanted to give you a bit of a flavor of that. So um, it's called Underground Church, and it was started by a group of 50 people. And they met and talked about faith and church and wanted to do something and were prompted by God to um, kind of listen and hear from him uh, about what, you know, they, they, God wanted them to do. So some of the group of 50 went to the Philippines for nine months and worked amongst the poor in the Philippines with church planters there. And they worked with the poor during the day and then sort of talked and prayed in the evenings um, and to sort of think about how they could then translate this back to where they were in Florida. And whilst they were doing that, they were covered by 24 hours of prayer every day. So every day in um, Tampa, Florida, there were, there were um, people from the group, from this group of 50 who didn't go, who were praying for 12 hours a day. And every day in the Philippines, they were praying, somebody was praying and covering 12 hours a day. And so actually for that nine months, there was prayer every day. And when they came home, what they decided to do was focus on three things, worship, community, and mission. And they started a network of micro churches, small churches, who all signed up to common values. And they now reach a whole range of audiences in that um, area of Tampa, Florida, including athletes, the homeless, widows, recovering addicts, foster parents, prisoners, and so much more. And they now have 201 micro churches as part of this underground community. And 60% of those churches are focused on the marginalized and the poor. So some of the things that that sparked in me when I read the book one, the emphasis on the poor. This was a key theme for the group. Jesus asks us to minister to the poor. And they saw the evil of the world as betrayed by the hold of poverty, addictions, and abuse in the families around them. And they wanted to do something about it. The impact of prayer and prophecy. So everything was covered in prayer. And they met to seek God's word and hear from him. And this drove their vision about seeing God at work and, and what they did next. Another thing that struck me was they were willing to risk, and, but always within a group of people. So to be bold, just as when the Spirit fell on those early uh, apostles and be sent out. They very much had a focus on Jesus as incarnation. So what would Jesus do if he was here, here and now, transforming people's lives? The incarnation mean, means that Jesus came down into the world and wanted to get involved. He wanted to get his hands dirty. He, he entered the mess of the world and transformed people's lives. They also emphasize that we are all a royal priesthood. We all have a calling to serve the kingdom. And there is a place for all of us to do that. And I think, you know, when I was thinking about that, I thought a bit about us as Alton Baptist and what we are doing around this um, kind of quite a key part of who we are, which is called Sunday Out. 
And so some of you might know that for five years now, we've been doing Sunday out as part of our worship on a Sunday. We don't meet on the second Sunday of the month, um, this, which is actually this week, and we meet instead in 11 different community groups around Alton. So we do um, some, uh, some people go into the, the local residential home at Josiah Mason. Some people go in and do a Sunday lunch at the local probation hostel. Some people go and um, meet with their neighbours and just get to know their neighbours better. Some people go to the Gospel Lane allotments um, and go and create a community-based cafe there. And some people do um, practical service around Alton. And so you might have seen them painting bollards along Dove House uh, Lane. So very practical things to help the community. So we just had a vision, really, for small things rooted in the community, where we're intermingling with the community, sharing faith in overt or natural ways, and going out to where people were. And we just feel that, you know, hopefully that will bring us into contact with people um, that um, we wouldn't normally come into contact with. And, um, you know, quite a key thing for us was a prophetic word by somebody that came to visit us as a church. And he had a picture of a two-sided jacket, a two-sided sort of bomber jacket. And he said, um, you know, he felt that God was calling us to turn ourselves inside out, to turn that jacket inside out, to turn around the love that we had for each other, for people outside, to turn that uh, and look outwards, not inwards. And so, you know, part of, I think, where we wanted to look at Sunday Out and what that was, was small groups of people being sent out rather than inviting people in, being Jesus to people who may never encounter him in any other situation, and also building on people's natural callings and passions for something that they had a heart for. So is the church the same as the kingdom of heaven? I think the church is the taster of that royal nation a taster of that new society where there is no pain or suffering and people live in harmony together. But I think the church also is the agent of the kingdom of heaven. So the church is there to witness to the rule of God in his kingdom and to bring healing, deeds of mercy and salvation power. And so when I was thinking about kind of what this means for us, what does this, um, you know, what hopefully, what, what, what uh, practically we can think about around this. Um, There's just a couple of things that struck me around the preciousness of the kingdom of heaven. If you have found that pearl of great price, how do you share that with others? And a couple of stories around this. We had a, a friend of ours called Rebecca who come, came to our church. She's moved on now to Reading. Um, and she didn't have a background of faith um, in her past. And she went to university and in her third year, she lived with some Christians. And so Christians shared Jesus with her, and she became a Christian. And she said to them, why didn't you tell me this before? You had this pearl of great price. Why did you not share this with me before? And I think, you know, when we've done some work for, um, and reading around this for church, um, a lot of organizations now that are thinking about how we share faith, um, talk about the fact that in general, two out of five people you know will probably be happy to have a conversation with you around faith. And, you know, I would say, who are those two people? Are, those, are there those people that you can come alongside and share faith with in a very natural way and pray for those people? So who are you sharing the preciousness of the kingdom with? 
And then I think the other thing to say is, you know, we should never worry about being a small number. A small number of people who knew Jesus changed the world uh, with the aid of the power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, we are small in number, but we have access to um, the Holy Spirit. So I've brought a little reminder, hopefully, of today. And so I've got a little something for each of you, which um, I had to put in another bag because these bags are very tiny. Um, and I've put some little mustard seeds in a little bag for you. And those are in the, the sort of paper bag. And I just, you know, wonder whether, just by taking those and thinking about those, whether something will spark in you about what God may be saying to you today. And, um, you know, do take it and take it as a reminder of, you know, God speaking to you hopefully today about what he's saying about the kingdom work. Feel free to plant them or have them as a reminder, whatever you'd like to do. I think one of the key verses, just to finish on, that I really come back to time and time again when I think about the kingdom of heaven is one from Mark 2, uh, verses 15 to 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call those, sorry, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So I just really hope and pray that you can see glimpses of that kingdom transformation power now and in the future, and that we see um, God's kingdom come here and, and in, it, in the future in all its glory. So I've just got a prayer to end with, and I would like you just to respond with, thy kingdom come. Um, so I'm going to say a little bit, and then if we can all say, thy kingdom come. Let's pray. God of our salvation, hope of all the ends of the earth, we pray, thy kingdom come. That the world may know Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace, we pray, thy kingdom come. That we may be bold to speak the word of God while you stretch out your hand to save, we pray, thy kingdom come that the church may be generous in giving, faithful in serving, bold in proclaiming, we pray, thy kingdom come. That the day may come when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we pray, thy kingdom come. Amen.